Welcome to the Mind Talks podcast. You are with myself, Nathan, and my co-host, Edwin. Our special guest is a para-Olympian. His discipline is the middle distance event, 1500 meters. Growing up, he was a very energetic individual who participated in a variety of sports, including track and field and baseball. He was more than your average young person participating in sport as he reached national level in some of those disciplines. In 2005, he was hit at the back of his head with a golf ball. This was the beginning of where his life shifted. Despite those challenges thrown at him, he went on to run NCAA circuit with Furman University and the University of South Alabama. He began racing internationally in 2018. He was awarded Para Athlete of the Year in both 2018 and 2019. He is now Para Olympic gold medalist, which was achieved in Tokyo this year. He also has further gold medals in 2019 at the World Championships and the Para and American Games. A warm, warm welcome to Mr. Nate Reich. Uh, you're making me sound better than I actually am. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just before we um, came on air and we started recording, um, I said personally that we was really looking forward to your story. So it's a unique story. And um, we've both been doing a lot of research on you. So it's, it's all the honors on ours. And we're really, really thankful for, um, you know, coming on. So we love to start off with the routine of taking you all the way back. So what was your first living memory of either playing or watching a sport? Yeah, my first memory would be just crawling around at the track, watching my parents compete. Uh, I was born in uh, what I learned later in life to be a pretty unique opportunity um, with basically eight or nine professional athletes in my family. And I was born when they were all achieving those things. And I think what was unique about it is that they didn't have to preach hard work. I saw it every day in and out. And I think like, um, like from when I was young, the most fond memory I have is my mom had me in 1995 um, in the middle of college. And just four years later, she be, or just five years later, she became Canadian national champion at the Olympic trials in the pole vault. And seeing someone who probably could have just written it off, who was living off a, you know, a college stipend with a kid, not doing what probably all the time she needed to do for her sport. And instead her reaching that pinnacle, even though the circumstances she was at, or had and so for me that was I think that was like a very uh, opening and uh, just being like wow uh, no matter what happens to you you really need to you know uh, go through adversity and uh, really not complain I mean you can complain about it but at the end of the day it is what it is yeah. growing up in that environment with with the wealth of talent around you did you already know that you wanted to do something similar to what your parents was doing yeah i did i don't know why i felt this way but i always wanted to be something different like i always wanted to have a little twist or turn to it um i think um my biological father um todd he did like he was in commercials with tiger woods like he was one of the first athletes to win ncaa's and usa's in the same year and then my mom was i mean such an amazing athlete from hurdles to pole vault um, and so, uh, I just always, I've always kind of beat to my own drum. 
Um, that's kind of always how I've been. And so I didn't know that uh, Aaron Golfball uh, would uh, do that twist for me. I thought maybe I would have to make a decision um, later in life. Um, but honestly, um, I'm thankful uh, for the journey I've had because it's been uh, – it's been not a dull moment, that's for sure, but it's been uh, it's been super fun and uh, tests me a lot. Okay. And um, what were some of the sports um, that you, when you was growing up, what were you playing? So baseball was my first love for sure. Um, my stepdad, Ben Tucker, um, he, he pitched in the College World Series, uh, was one of the best pitchers out of high school. He was actually roommates with Aaron Boone, um, oh, who is now the okay. Yankees manager. Yeah. Um, and... And in Arizona, where I was living at the time, spring training was, you know, in Arizona. And we would go see so many games. And the Diamondbacks won the World Series in 2001 uh, when I was a kid. And so that was really my first love. Um, I guess you could say I played basketball too, but um, I wasn't very good. Um, and and uh, I did a little bit of track and field too. But track or running didn't really start until after I got hurt um, because that was um, my treatment, so to say. Um, and, uh, it was kind of the only sport that I thought was quote unquote cool, um, that I could do. Um, so that's kind of, uh, when running really came into focus for me. After you got hurt, how long did it take you to, to come to terms with it and decide, okay, I want to, to, to try running? Yeah. So I remember in the hospital, um, I like the hospital was so vivid for me um i like when i got hit i didn't pass out i remember so many moments so clearly from the hospital and i remember when the doctor told me that you never walk without a limp and because sports are not in your future like almost like don't even think about it um even in that time i still couldn't walk but i still saw myself at the olympic or the paralympic games um and so i think during that time i knew running i, I wasn't sure what event i was going to do but I kind of knew at that time that running was a possible outlet for me. And um, uh, it started in fifth grade to do running club. And um, I wasn't very good at first because, I mean, running hurts. So yeah. I was like, uh, I'm not too comfortable with this pain. But then I was able to tap into this, like, uh, it's kind of dark, but this, like, me laying motionless on a hospital bed with the feeding tube and the IV and going to a dark, dark place and knowing that I've already been through a lot of pain. And if I can tap into that, I think that I can do something special. Um, and I think it's always been big to chase my own greatness, not someone else's, uh, clearly mine. Um, and so I think during that time, and obviously both of you know in sixth grade, uh, everyone's so awkward. Everyone is, has no idea who they are. Absolutely. Um, and so trying to find my way um, made definitely um, a lot of things I learned. And I think maybe my injury made me learn things faster. Um, but um, that's kind of when running like really started for me. Okay. So post um, the incident, did you ever question why you? Because due, due to the the incident and what happened it, it, it's it's something that you wouldn't necessarily think of if you was to think of um you know how somebody gets injured and you know somebody was to do a i don't know um a brainstorm that's something that wouldn't necessarily come up um did you ever ask did you ever question why you um did you ever feel unlucky or was 
the the presence of your you know your parents because they were elite athletes did that help you get over that quickly yeah i mean i feel like it it probably was there um a little bit i mean i feel like we're all human and sometimes we question like if someone dies or suicide or things like that uh, i think we always want answers um and so i, I I'm, I'm sure there was a part of that i don't remember dwelling on it or anything like that and anyone who knows my mom is probably laughing right now knowing uh how tough my mom is um and um like i started really really bad and like i wouldn't even talk because i started so bad and like she would make me like if we called um for to get an, an appointment somewhere she would make me call like she pushed me i think some people you see them either kind of parents like do everything for them or the exact opposite, where they push you. Like I got yeah. out of the hospital on a on a Saturday. I went to school on Monday. Bro. My mom's like, "Let's go." Um, like uh, it might take you longer to do things, but uh, you're doing them, and you're gonna achieve greatness. And so you better figure that out. And obviously, she helped me get there. Um, but I feel like my mom and stepdad were the perfect parents just for me personally. Um, they are such a good yin and yang where my mom's kind of played more of the tougher role and maybe because my stepdad, um, you know, um, he kind of played more of the, like almost the mental side, like, Hey, like, like, how are we going to set plans? How are we going to achieve your goals? And so they did such a good job, um, of kind of playing both of those roles. That's really interesting because I think in terms of that, everyone's different because some people, like taking the time to process it is how they they deal with things and then some people were just getting on with things is how they deal with things in life and it seems that with the way your stepdad and your and your mum was your mother was they they knew how to best handle it with you yeah i think i i think they did and maybe maybe they're just hoping that they that they chose right and i think um i think we're just such go-getter family like that's just kind of how we do it and i think i think the biggest thing for them is that like sleeping sleepwalking through life is like one of the worst things that you can possibly do and so i think they wanted to make sure that i didn't do that and for me it's always been like when i leave this earth i want to have the least amount of i wish i did this or i wish i did that um and so like whenever i make a tough decision um that's usually um, where I go and obviously it's nice to have reasons for things but sometimes you just know you just know like I need to do this and I don't know how both of you are but I felt like in my life I've always usually known what the right decision was it may have been harder but I always knew what the right decision was and sometimes you know we don't make the right decision sometimes you know we we go the easy way out and I think my mom um, tried to make me do the right thing as many times as she could and even though it was hard um, and there is, as you know, you don't need to get hit with the golf ball to know that life's hard. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, people have it way worse than I do. And so I think having that and also having the insight that my mom said, yes, you deserve things, but you need to go, you need to go earn them. It does not matter if you deserve them, uh, because you need to earn it and that'll be more special and you'll be more proud of that. So, um, I want to speak a little bit more about your mom because for myself, I really identify with a, a disciplinarian like your mum because when I used to play football, 
I would prefer having a coach that was more of a disciplinarian. Um, it, I don't know, for whatever reason, it always used to help me up my game. There was almost a, I guess, a 5% fear um, that I will never be at my best and just always wanting to just prove and prove and prove. And I guess my question to you is, where do you think that came from? Where do you think your mum's disciplinarian approach stems from? What inspired her? Have she spoken to you about um, where that comes from? Is that something innate from her? Where, where do you think that comes from? Well, um, so her parents, my grandpa um, played NHL hockey um, play with Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orr and scored 10 wow. points in one game and three goals in 24 seconds. Wayne Gretzky, so, wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. So uh, I think it partially comes from that. And she's always like, she wants to get the most out of herself. And I think that's really where it derives from, um, where she's always like, like, it's so funny. I feel like she like asks me questions so that she knows how hard she can push me when she used to coach me. Um, and so she's basically in her head like, you agreed to this. Yes, it's hard. But um, so I, I think for her, she just she just never she just wanted us to, you know, reach our full potential. And I think um, she's so good at um, I think she's such a good coach because she knows that not everyone is the same way. And so she used different tactics for everyone and i think she knew with me like um like obviously drinking alcohol doesn't make you good or bad but i didn't drink till i was 22 i was very focused i went to bed at 9 p.m every night like i was i've always been just like that because i was always worried that the doctors would be right by saying that i would never do what i did and so i think she saw uh those um qualities in me and i think she just gripped onto those and uh pushed me that way while she was doing that, was there at any point when you thought, this is too much, I can't deal with this? Um, no, um, <laughs> but um, I think there was times where we fought for sure, um, you know, and argued, and she kicked me out of practice once and because um, I, I was supposed to run a time trial and I, for the 15 or for the 800, but also I was on the 4x4, um, and she wanted me to do that time trial the same day, but no one else was doing it the same day. Like they got like one day for one time trial. And so I thought it was unfair and she just basically was like, are you seriously going to not challenge yourself? And so I think um, I always saw it was always in my best interest um, the way she challenged me. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we did argue a lot for sure. Um, but I think she always did such a good job of just getting to me. Um, like I think um, she's definitely like, yeah, she definitely gets mad and like will yell at you a little bit, but um, but for me, it was always important to listen to um, what she said, not how she says it. Um, that was always really important. And so, um, but she was also really patient, even though that she's a di like discipline. And uh, but she was always really patient with me. And um, so, I think I was really lucky for that too. In hindsight, do you believe it was just destined for you to reach um, the level that you're at now? So um, when I was watching something and you was mentioning about your mum and your stepdad, it was to me, the, I think what came to mind was good cop, bad cop. So in hindsight, if, you, if, if both parents were bad cop, bad cop, both disciplinarians, um, do you think it may have had... Uh, you know, a con, I guess a conversing impact on you, or do you think 
it would still be the same. Do you just fit? What I'm essentially trying to say is, do you think it was regardless um, of the dynamics, it was just fate for you to get to the top? Um, I'm not sure if it was fate. Um, I feel like, I feel like my stepdad has just played such a huge role. Um, I feel like I've heard such horror stories and I think if he just wasn't so confident in who he is and able to like, I mean, it's crazy. Like he was playing professional baseball and then he like retires and then is my dad and like, uh, always says to me, no matter what you need, like I will make sure you have what you need to play sports and go to school. And, um, so I think if either they both play bad cop or just Ben wasn't there, um, I don't think it would turn out the same way it did, especially with my okay. brain injury. Yeah. I think it's really important to have someone, a uh, father figure, or just like someone that you can go to for things like that. Guys want to talk about, you know. I think I, I think it's it's there's certain things you want to talk about to a dad, and um, he was always like so he was just always so important to me, and I always say he's my best friend because um, he just truly is, and. He doesn't say a lot, but when he says it, you listen. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think just having those two, and he's had to snap me out. Like, he's come and talked to me for a race where, like, I already ridden off the race. My leg hurts. Like, I'm just going to throw in the towel. And the, actually, that happened at State, and I actually ran, like, one of my best races I've ever run when he came and talked to me for, like, two minutes um, and was, like, crystal clear. He doesn't, like, he doesn't, like, it wasn't mean, but it wasn't nice. Like, it just yeah. direct. Um, and so I think, um, obviously my mom gets a lot of the shine, which I think she deserves it, but I think sometimes, uh, my stepdad is underappreciated, um, about how the role he played and how influential he was. Uh, at what point in your training journey, did you realize you could potentially become someone who goes to the Paralympics? So in 2018, um, or I guess 2017, I thought my career was done. Um, I had finished college. My last race, I finished last place at the conference championships in the final in the, in the 1500. And um, I did feel like I still had more to give to the sport, but I felt like I didn't have a place or I just, I just, I don't know. I just didn't really know what was left for me. And um, I've always loved advocating and public speaking for local children's hospitals because I remember like how it was being in there. And um, I remember my mom coming to me and saying, Hey, the Paralympics is an opportunity for you. And you could like connect that with your speaking and your running. And I think a light bulb kind of went off in my brain. Like, like this could be the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, and I think part of it also was that my siblings have always been the most important thing to me. Um, they, I've always wanted, I'm an older brother to five, um, so five younger siblings. So I always felt like I wanted to set an example and I wanted to go chase my dreams because if I'm telling them to do that and I'm not doing that, then that's, that's pretty crappy. Um, and so I think once I kind of looked at, I think when I looked myself in the mirror, um, kind of had like, like David Goggins talks about, like looking yourself in the mirror and just being honest Sure, some of it might yeah. hurt to hear. Um, but I just had to be honest and go chase that. And I had no idea. Like I moved to a different, I moved to Canada, I moved to a different country. And I had like no idea what, what was in store for me. Um, but, uh, you know, looking back, I'm so happy I did it. Um, didn't think, I don't know if I thought it was going to end up here. Um, maybe I was hoping for it. 
Um, but, um, you know, when I crossed that line at the Paralympic Games, I think, uh, you know, looking back at that 16 years since when I walked for the first time, um, again, uh, to see, you know, where it ended up, I was definitely pretty proud um, and not necessarily part of the medal, but just proud that I stuck to the to my plan, regardless of what was thrown at me. One of the things that we hear a lot of athletes do is when they uh, move over to different parts of you know the world or uh, different states and it's really interesting to hear um, their success stories so I guess with yourself what were some of the early things that you learned about yourself when you um, initially moved over to Canada? Yeah I think well first off I got a sports a sports psychologist um, I had at the facility I trained at, they said, hey, we have this awesome guy named John Coleman. And honestly, he changed my career. Um, I, there's a lot of things. Um, my biological father and I have always had, uh, he's a good person, but we've always had a difficult relationship. Um, and then I had just some things in my past that I think I hadn't come to terms with. Yeah. That I really need to come to terms with. Yeah. Um, to almost, I call it running free. I felt like I had baggage that was like holding me back and and uh, so I think that was really big. And um, I, my coach, Heather, um, she is by far the best coach, uh, in my opinion, in the world. Um, just a leader of people. Um, and she basically like took this long-term approach. She's like, we're not going to get you hurt. At least we're not going to try to. And we're going to just each year get better. Um, she's like, you might not run faster every year, but we're gonna, you're going to be fitter. And so I think those two things were really impactful for me. And um, I found meditation, which I think was something that I thought was like a spoof and was yeah. like, the dumbest thing ever. Um, <laughs> and then I found it. And I mean, the, I mean, that's what kept me calm, um, you know, uh, at the Paralympic Games. And I think the last thing was uh, when I get nervous, I think when we all think of the outcome, we want, we want to win. We want the outcome to be great. And I always go back to, making that kid in that hospital bed motionless, paralyzed with all of his friends and family at the bed of his bed. And I can't even wiggle my toe on my right side and thinking, I want to make that kid proud. I want to, uh, and I can't imagine how proud that kid would be, like how cool he would have thought, like, man, like you're paralyzed right now, but in 16 years, you're going to be ready. You're going to be about to be step on that Paralympic final, you know, line and, have a Paralympic title possibly on the line. Um, and so I think that's always brought me comfort and understanding you just need to focus on the journey and not necessarily the outcome. And I think it's such a, like people say it all the time, um, just focus on the journey, but it's so true. If you can focus on every day and get better every day, then I think um, at the end of the day, um, you will be the athlete that you want to be. But um and it's not always it's not always easy it's hard there's there's times where you do focus on the outcome and things don't work out well and i think you just always have to come back to center and focus on what you believe what do you think was the best tool that or i don't know conversation that you had with your sports psychologist i think the biggest thing was i think i was i always tried to hide my disability um because I had to compete with able-bodied athletes. Um, and I think he taught me to just let it hang out. Like, listen, I'm this person. 
you know, on the track, um, we created this thing called my gray wolf mentality because my middle name is gray wolf and I almost like become a different person and it's okay to be me when you hit the track and like want to kick everyone's butt and beat them by a lot. Like that's fine. And so we kind of, he allowed me to just be me. And I think for uh, some part of my life, I was just trying to figure out who me necessarily was. Um, and so when I was able to finally come to terms with that and just be me and be this person who is, I mean, I am ultra competitive, but I am also like the biggest crap talker and banter person you will ever meet. Like I am just mm. popping off at practice, making fun of all of my friends. They're, they're <laughs> making fun of me. Um, and so I think being able to be, uh, have my personality at the track, I think was really important. And my coach Heather allowed that too, um, I think was the moment where I felt like I made a change and, and then, you know, I ran sub 350 this past year, the first athlete in our classifications to ever do that. And that was a goal that was almost bigger than the Paralympic title to me because that was me um, really testing how good can I really be. Um, and I think all of those things together, I think, I mean, they're all, there is all a domino effect for sure, but um, kind of seeing how it started and kind of where it ended was uh, pretty cool. So I'm really intrigued about when you mentioned focus on a journey every day. Um, and I know it means different things for different athletes. So what does it look like to you when you, when you say focus on a journey every day? What did it look like for you as Nate? Yeah, so I mean, I think for me, um, well, the first thing I actually had to change is I always wanted to prove everyone else wrong, uh, like doctors and things like that. But I switched that. that I just want to prove myself right. And so that was the big switch I had to change, um, you know, every day um, because I, uh, I'm just so fiery. And so I would want to keep coming back to, oh, I'm going to prove them wrong, prove them wrong. But it's like, I feel like you just waste so much energy on that sometimes. I think yeah. it's good for some parts of my life. It definitely got me through being paralyzed and things like that. Um, and then also, like, I come up with a question every week. Um, how am I, like, what am I going to do this week? Or like, are you chasing your greatness? Are you, are you doing the little things every day? Um, and it's funny cause you know, those answers, you might, you might run away from them. Um, but you actually know those answers and you're the only one that actually knows how hard you're working. Sure. My girlfriend or my coaches or my parents, sure. They might, they might think they know how hard I work, but um, but at the end of the day, you're the only one that knows that. And so I, I think I have like these checkpoints, um, every day. And sometimes I'll put like sticky notes on my, on my mirror in my bathroom that just kind of reminds me. And, um, I think I, I'm a big quote person too. So I think each, each week I would come up with like d d different quotes. Like I think Mike Tyson's, he's like, discipline is doing something you hate, but doing it like you love it. And that was uh, one thing that I always kind of pulled me in, um, thinking like, yeah, there's some things about running that I hate, but if you do it, I'm such a better runner and probably a better person for it. Um, and so, um, and yeah, and then I think just allowing myself to be passionate. I'm a very passionate person and I'm passionate about people with disability, kids with disabilities having um, a arena to play sports because I think sports are the biggest, meta best metaphor for life. Um, you can fail and learn so much and you don't have to be the best athlete in the world, but I think having sport is so important. 
and then Children's Hospitals and just competing. Like that's who Nate is. Those three things are truly who I am. And so um, just allowing those to hang out. What, in terms of your mindset, what, um, in terms of your mindset when you're younger, what have you brought forward to, that you use now and what have you added to it? Yeah, so I definitely, that fieriness, I've always had that for sure. Um, so kind of that, like, I even, like, even part of me, like, after I got hit um, and the doctor said, you'll never walk, it almost was like the extended middle finger, like, how about I just run? Um, and so, like, um, and I'm actually very cool with that doctor now. Um, but, uh, at that time I was not very cool with him. <laughs> um, so I think that fieriness and that discipline, um, because running can become boring, right? Like doing the same thing every day. Sometimes you wake up and you're like, oh, I do the same thing again. But those people that don't take those off days who don't say, oh no, it's fine. I'll just do it tomorrow. Those are those people that get to that next level. And then I think, um, after college, I think before college, I was always kind of, um, not scared of failure, but like, like uh, I feel like failure sometimes has such a bad connotation um, on it. And I kind of flipped it on his head and said, listen, as long as if I, I'm going to fail a million times, that's fine. If I learn from it, it's a positive thing. And if I don't, then it's a negative thing. So I made it very clear to put myself in opportunities to fail or there are possibly that I might fail because that's usually when you learn. And so I think that was one of the biggest things for me. Um, and I think I always had really bad anxiety and nervousness around racing. Um, I think I just cared so much about running and I just wanted to do so well. And being able to, I think, have that calmness before I race and instead of like being emotional when you race, being able to execute your race plan. Um, I think those are the two things that John and my coach Heather helped instill in me um, and I'm so thankful because I mean before my world championship in 2019 I was dancing and I am a horrible dancer and I don't dance um, <laughs> but I was just so relaxed and I think uh, I think you just come to terms like hey this thing could go horrible but it could also go amazing and the only way I'm gonna f do my best is if I just lay it all out on the line and so I think um, maybe I didn't know how to do that before um, and so I think that was really big for me. Okay. One doctor described your recovery as a miracle. How do you, um, use that information to help you spur, to, to help spur you on? Yeah. So I think for, for me, I use it with, Hey, I got a second chance. Like, uh, there's so many people who don't get a second chance or who their paralysis stays for the rest of their life. And so for me, I felt like I had a second chance. I'm like, man, I have to make this, like I have to make it worth it. Mm. Um, and then also I use it for others to hopefully inspire or motivate them and say, listen, like you're going to, it's not like a matter of if, it's a matter of when adversity is going to hit you. But what are you going to do about it? Like there's a, there's a champion and there's a, and there's a contender. A champion loves feedback. And they love competition no matter what. And they have a growth mindset. They're always trying to learn. And so I always tried to be the champion. And sure, there was times where I'm sure I was a, a, a contender when I got my feelings hurt just because I didn't want to be told something. And um, I always tried to change my mindset back to that champion. And so for me, that was 
that was so important. How easy was it for you to balance training and your personal life? Um, I don't know how much my personal life I actually had. <laughs> um, I think I think people talk about uh, balance all the time, and I felt like in the winter um, when we're doing base work and things like that, yeah, I, I definitely had a balance in life. Uh, but I think the the best athletes in the world are a bit crazy, um, and you know they care so much about their craft, and I think. I feel like I'm like 85-15 when it comes to championship racing. Like I am so far gone and like just so focused on running fast. Um, I think I've found that at championships, I my one of my best friends, Tom, um, he he him and I will like play video games and like make sure that we're having fun at the championships and enjoying those moments because I feel like I've talked to so many people who have competed at the high level and they said those are the things they wish they um, held on to or folk or like did more was like those fun, those really fun moments. Um, and I created a part of my growth mentality was creating people who I lean on called my inner circle yeah. and um, really uh, having a relationship with them and making sure those relationships are strong. And uh, this might seem blunt, but I don't really care about anyone else's opinion other than those people. Um, I feel like when we're younger, we care about everyone's opinion and that can get us in trouble sometimes. And so um, if someone outside of that, like says something, like I'll definitely listen to it, but I mean, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Um, and so I think that was a big change for me. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not someone who has a lot of friends. I'm someone who has a lot of, a couple really close friends. Um, and so that's always kind of how I've been. And, um, and I, I just really appreciate a good friend who's there for you and things like that. And so I think that's more my social life um, is those people. And my family is so fun to hang out with too. Like we, I feel like it's like a party every Friday, Saturday at my <laughs> parents' house and we're playing cornhole or uh, playing, you know, working out together in the basement or something like that. Um, so um, that's what brings me joy. I feel like happy, like, like you can be happy. Sure. But um Happy is, I feel like it sometimes can be focused on an outcome. If you're happy, you're not happy. But I feel like if you can find joy in life um, with the people that you love and share those moments with them, that's when joy comes out for me. Okay. Without, um, so I don't want to assume. So I guess what I want to ask you, has your brain injury had an impact on the way that you train um, and how you recover um, post-race? And if it has, um, what are, how has it had an impact? Yeah, so yes, it's had a very big impact. Um, I used to be able to recover really fast before I got hurt. And um, so I just don't, I don't have, I don't have that part of my brain that controls the right side of my body. Okay. Um, so it's just not there. Okay. Um, and so, uh, our recovery profile, it's so random sometimes, like sometimes I'll recover. Okay. And then sometimes it'll take a week for me to recover. And it's like, what the heck is going on? And we found mm -hmm. out that if I do pure speed, like 40, uh, meter flying sprints on the track, like my nervous system is so fried. Um, wow. so we, uh, like a lot of my competitors run like a hundred miles a week. And I run like 45 to 55 because I just can't, I can't yeah. maintain that volume. Um, I just get hurt. And I am, <laughs> I'm so fortunate because my uncle Trevor Harrison um, is a human movement specialist is how I like, is what I like to call him. And he works, he, I mean, he 
he's worked with the best of the best, like worked with Kobe at one time, Blake Griffin, um, Kevin Walker, like some, like some of the best of the best. And so a lot of people ask how I stay healthy all the time. And it's because of him with his treatment and his lifting. And, um, you know, when you look at my weight room routine, it's, I'm always on one leg when I run and, um, we move in all different planes when it comes to training, which people are always confused about. Cause they're like, you just run. Why are you training all these different planes? Because those are the little muscles that get hurt, um, sometimes. And so I think, yes, my recovery is, was super affected. Um, especially my right leg, like, yeah. it'll just be dead. And I'm just like, like, it, like lactic wise, my right side will feel like it's a ton of bricks and my left side will feel like it's a million bucks. And it's like, mm. it's such a weird, like feeling, which obviously compensations happen from that, which cause injuries and things like that. So, but yeah, I just think my weight room is one of the reasons why I'm able to stay healthy um, because we're not actually like getting me hurt in the weight room. We're actually like making sure my core stability is good. Because uh, the research has shown that your core stability is the first thing that goes um, mm -hmm. later in the season. And so if you don't have that, then you're just going to get injured. And so mm -hmm. um, definitely my weight, room, my weight room doesn't look sexy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, people are like, ah, oh, it doesn't look like that much fun. I was like, no, but winning's fun. So I need to do this to win. Um, and so, um, yeah, I've been, I've been very fortunate on that side. You, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier on, but how is the dynamics with your coach? And in t also, in when it comes to that, how has it been like in the past when you've had other coaches? Has it been the same type of dynamics or is it something different that you get from your coach? Definitely. I think in the past, it's hard when you're in college because a lot of times everyone does the same thing. Yeah. Um, and for me, obviously, the, they just want to get points out of you, uh, which... Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily blame them for that. I mean, I, I don't know. I've never been a college coach, so it, it, I don't like to say that I would do different if I don't know what their position is or I don't know what the pressure looks like yeah. for that. Um, but, yeah, no, Heather, I think the biggest thing is that my coaches, um, I feel like because they had to micromanage us sometimes, I feel like just when you have so many people on a team, you just kind of have to. Um, you have to make sure you know what they're doing at all times, and Heather very much uh, does the exact opposite. Um, she allows kind of me to be free and like allows me to travel home. And I actually just moved back to Georgia. Um, I used to live in Victoria, British Columbia and, um, uh, and it just, she just gives me the freedom to do that because I think at the end of the day, she knows there's no way I'm missing training. There is no way I will not be able to sleep at night if I mm. miss training like I am. Um, and so she just allows me to. Um, do that but also if there's something that needs to be said she's not scared of saying it like like if she's if she thinks i'm doing something wrong she won't like oh no you don't want to hurt your feelings no nah, nate you're doing this wrong this is my opinion and uh i think if you want to win then you need to fix this mm. um and i feel like sometimes a coach needs to learn how to hold you back a little bit and then when that time comes then really push you but you can't be push 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 hundred like 365 days of the year you're just going to get hurt and burnt out and things like that so i feel like she's so good at that push and pull which i think is underappreciated uh in a coach and I, I the first thing i told her when she started coaching me and i said i'm not worried about your training if you can if we can have a relationship where we both understand each other and we know who each other is i'm going to run really fast 
but I'm not worried about your programming because you're a fantastic coach. But I wanted someone that um, I could lean on and trust because there's so much more under the competition umbrella than just running. There's the mental side and the mental side in your life, just outside of running. That comes in and affects your actual competing. And so um, being someone that I could kind of talk with some of that with, I think is I'm super lucky. And I write her like a really long couple paragraphs every day on how training is going and kind of what's going on. And I think not everyone can do that, but, um, you know, there's unique situations and there's reason why certain coaching coaches work with better with others. And um, I honestly would never want to be coached by anyone else. Do you think your parents prepared you well um, in becoming a a good coachee? Yeah, I think for my mom, you kind of had to listen to her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think she would always ask a lot from me. And I think she would always challenge me, which was something that I always found uh, being really special, like sometimes she, I remember like driving to the to a race, and she would talk. My mom would talk my ear off to to get me mad, <laughs> and see how I would race mad, or she would like move my shoe where I couldn't find it, and then I would be freaking out before the race, and then she would give it to me last weekend, or she would say, "Hey, we're not gonna have a time trial till Thursday," and Wednesday morning, hey, hey, we're gonna do a time trial today. And it's like what? <laughs> or if you ran slow on a rep, oh, you get another set. Um, and so I think, um, yeah, I think that was always really important. And I think, um, you know, I think she just taught me how to, um, yeah, just how to listen. Because at the end, end of the day, sure, your coach could be telling you something wrong, but I feel like there's always something right with someone saying something. Like if they, if they're criticizing you, I always feel like there's some part of truth to that criticism. And mm. so. Um, you don't always have to listen to the full thing, but if you pull something out of it, then that can really help you. And so I think, uh, yeah, I'm so lucky to have my parents. I mean, I feel like uh, I've hit the lottery with my mom and stepdad. Um, they're so amazing. And um, I know a lot of Paralympic athletes, sometimes they say that their parents don't support them as well as, um, obviously not everyone, but some say it's different because it's, you know, you don't, they don't fully understand it. And like when, I mean, my mom is the one who wanted me to go to the Paralympic side um, after college and she's always supported me and so has Ben and so, and then my, and my entire family has, hmm. um, which I think is uh, maybe not the norm. When it comes to race day and just before the race, when you're in the cool area, cool room, are you one of those people that like to be left alone or are you one of those people that socialize with people? Um, definitely socialize. Um, sometimes I'll talk a little bit of crap, um, to just have some fun because I'm friends with a lot of my competitors. Um, and so, um, I remember like at the Paralympics, it was raining and I was kind of like teasing a couple of them. I'm like, oh, well, thank goodness it rains in, in Victoria, like 200 days out of the, 200 days out of the year. Um, like I'm ready to go and kind of just like teasing, like we're all, we're all really good buddies and stuff like that. So I, I, I definitely talk more. Um, it is always funny when you get those people who are silent in the call room and they just give you such dirty looks. I'm like, I just like we'll just start laughing and I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. Um, uh, just because, I mean, it's, you know, different people get motivated different ways. So um, yeah, it's just super interesting the way that different people approach that. Would but with you... that silence, sorry, 
with, but with that silence, do some of them look like they're silent because they are focusing on just the, the outcome of the race? Or some of them, do they look like they're silent because they're scared of what's going to come? Both, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think mm. I think there's some people who are super high high performers and achievers and always get it done on when it matters who are just silent. And uh, um, it's funny because I used to be such a quiet guy. And I feel like now I always joke with my girlfriend. I was like, you can't shut me up. Like I, I'm <laughs> just like talking all the time. So, um, but yeah, and there's definitely people who, who are scared. And a lot of times I might change my race tactic if I see someone being really scared. Um, I might think they're the want to be timid off the line and I'll just take off and be like, all right, come, come and catch me. If you beat me, you're, you're better than me on the day and you deserve to win. And, um, if you don't, then hopefully I'll win. <laughs> mm. Would would you say there is more of a togetherness, um, amongst para athletes? Um, because there's more of the, um, the explicit and physical, I guess challenges that that can be seen, um, and that's not to take away the competitive side because the outcome is you still want to finish first. But due to the fact that so many, uh, I guess, athletes have overcome such explicit adversity, would you say that there is more of a togetherness and more mutual respect? I think there's definitely a huge togetherness for sure. Um, uh, and I just love it. I mean, I think I think we all understand that, yeah, there's people whose disabilities are quote-unquote harder or whatever you want to use as the proper word. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not the yeah. best with those, you know, PC words, exactly what, what people will use for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we all have so much respect because we've all been through something just so hard. Um, and, um, and at the end of the day, like the Paralympics – the whole point of it is the definition is being parallel to the Olympics. So in my opinion, high performance is high performance regardless of what you look like or how you move. And for me, um, and many of the athletes I've talked to, you know, that's just what it is and that's what we want. Um, and it's, it's been really cool to see that togetherness, but also people getting sponsored and getting those Nike deals and getting those, you know, visa deals and those corporate sponsors. It's been, it's been really cool to be a part of. And, uh, the media has been, I've heard so different from 2016 and 2012, um, which has been really cool. I mean, I think I don't expect it to just overnight go higher than the Olympics, obviously. Um, but it's always good to see progression and, Maybe people – I've never met someone who doesn't like Paralympic sport because I say it's boring. I've just – a lot of people just don't understand. And so they, they don't know what to look like or don't know what to look for, um, which is, I think – which is cool, which is – I mean, I think I'm the first – I think my generation is one of the first um, athletes that, get, that kids get to learn about Paralympics and the Olympics. Like on Olympic Day – I got invited to talk about the par- about the Paralympics, and I definitely didn't do that as it, like I didn't learn about the Paralympics as a kid. Heck no, um, and I know my my siblings didn't either. So it's really cool to be kind of a part of that. You de- you definitely see the change. I remember the first one that I I watched, and that was probably I think it was Sydney. I think that was the first one I watched, and. When you compare it to now, in terms of the media coverage that it gets, it's not like night and day. 
starting yeah. day. I mean, it's crazy. The, the the prime minister's tweeting at me after I win, and like I'm I'm like, geez, this is this is a bit crazy. Um, yeah, I was like, I mean, yeah, like Blake Griffin, who's um who's been who I've hmm. been close with and who has been nothing but amazing to me, um, sent me a message and um and I saw him a couple of weeks before I left for Tokyo. I went and did a couple of days of training um with him. Um, and my uncle and stuff to make sure my body was right before I left. And it was just so cool to see kind of how he, he supported me as well and which he doesn't have to and, um, at all. And, um, but he's such a good dude. And so it's, it, it's just cool to see the people who will support you and, um, like congratulate you, you know, when, when you, when you reach that cool moment. Mm. You know, I've got a burning question, you know, it's, it's been on my mind for about 10, 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. It's um, your journey. So it's your journey, um, your everyday journey. So just, you know, focusing on your journey every day versus outcome. And I guess my question is, when did you become Olympic champion in your mind? Because, you know, some people from childhood, they already say to themselves, right, I'm going to become Olympic champion. Now, I know you spoke earlier about just focusing on, you know, gradually getting better every day and focusing on that. But in hindsight, when did you start believing that you are an Olympic champion or did it happen when you actually came first in that race? The first day I um, raced in the Paralympic movement or para race i thought i was going to be paralympic champion okay. um and uh and we look at it in my family as two types of failures one failure is you just don't try and that failure is not okay or if you try and you fail but you're prepared and you fail that's fine um and so for me um i was pretty certain i wasn't gonna fail at that task um but um but yeah i was uh i remember looking at my mom and being like I'm going to win. Um, and being like, um, I don't know when I'm going to win. It might be 2028. Like who knows? Um, but I was just confident with that. And obviously I, I'm not going to go around on social media telling everyone that or anything like that. I like to keep that kind of internal. Um, but yeah, I was, at least I was, yeah. So I was really excited when that kind of moment happened. And, uh, it's funny, even though you're, you've been there in your head, Oh, it's so crazy when you're there, like when it actually <laughs> happens, like mm. I remember crossing the line and being like, Nate, like stay calm, like, you know, be very respectful. And I just started screaming like <laughs> murder after the and there's like pictures of me, like screaming, like with all my muscles and veins like popping out and the memes, all of my teammates put on. In our group chat, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, this is my, my last question to you. So you really achieved so much. Um, what do you think you need to add to, to yourself in terms of your mindset that is going to make you improve even to the level that you really are at? Yeah, I think one thing that I'm searching, um, I came up with this... Um, it's hard to call it the truth, but in my mind, it's true, and, and it doesn't matter if others don't think it's true. Um, I feel like I can endure more pain than anyone, and that's just a, that's just like a neat in-his-head truth. 
And um, I'm really looking forward to kind of searching that and because um, I want to run, I mean, I've run 347, 1500, but I want to run as fast at 340, close to 340 as I can. And uh, that's something I don't know if I can do. Um, but I'm, but I'm going to definitely find out if I can or not. Um, and I, so I think that's one thing. And I still, still learning how to execute under pressure. Um, I didn't think the Paralympics was going to feel that different. And oh my goodness, holy crap. I was like, like my right leg started not working before the race and I was like freaking out and, and I, and I, my, I felt like my nervous system wasn't working, but I think it was just cause I was so nervous. Um, I think like for a second, as we talked about, I thought about the outcome for a second and I was like, but if I don't win, like, is this all a failure? Is this all like, did I just waste five years of my life kind of type thing? Mm. You know what I mean? And, and then luckily my sports psychologist has taught me to be able to snap right back and be like, all right, that, that was a thought you should never have. Um, so let's come back to center. Um, so I think that, that's still something I need to work on. Okay. And my last question is what is one, the one perception you'd like to change about power athletes? I, th I think that we are high performers. I think um, some people um, will say that winning a Paralympic gold medal isn't um, on the same level as an Olympic gold medal. But um, in saying that, they don't take into consideration the hell that we go through while getting paralyzed or not having vision or uh, they just take the performance as, oh, that, that gold medal was not earned at the same cost as an Olympic medal. Um, but you're not, but you don't know what it was like when I was trying to walk again. Um, you don't, you know, all of that stuff I had to endure and all the things I had to go through. Um, you know, I think a lot of 10 year olds um, have never gone through that. Um, and I definitely don't think uh, Paralympians are better than Olympians. I think we're equally on the same playing field. And I have, so much respect for Olympians. Obviously, I have a couple in my family. Um, and so I feel like, um, and I've been nothing but supported by the Canadian Olympians. Um, and so I feel like that's, for me, the next step is, um, you know, getting those kind of recognition. Um, and just, yeah, just, I mean, like anything, we always want to make it better for the next next generation. If it's not better for me, that's fine. Um but it won't be because of, because of lack of trying. Okay. Okay. Nate, how can people get in contact with you? Absolutely. So uh, I'm Nate Graywolf on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Um, if you want to chat or anything, just DM me. I'm, uh, I've been taking a little break from social media recently, um, but I just started kind of getting back on there. And um, so, yeah, that's probably the best way to reach me. Yeah, I think we should all take Nate's advice. You know, we all need a break from social media. I've had to take a break from it myself. <laughs> honestly, and those group chats as well. Oh my goodness, it just gets too much. It honestly, gets so, so much. So I'm even myself, I've had to leave um, a few groups myself. So yeah, I think I might be um, going back to that. Yeah, so thank you, Nate. Um, guys, 
please, if you are a new subscriber, listener, thank you and welcome aboard. If you are existing and you are a continued listener, thank you. Please continue to share, like. Um, yeah, we're just really, really happy. Actually, do you know, I want to say something off the cuff, actually, um, because we are slowly growing. Um, and yeah, we just really want to just thank everyone that's been really just sharing all of our interviews. Um, we both believe that, and, you know, we are honing our skills and getting better. And we and we really, really hope that you, the listener, um, is actually getting something from this. You're definitely going to be um, getting more from us. And I'll definitely from this episode, you'll be getting something. Um, so, yeah, we really, really appreciate the support and really just hope that we can just push this forward. Until next time, guys, stay healthy, stay safe. Peace.